Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight flow up to the claw on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. What the heck my name was is Dave that? Burns. Oh my God, my voice. It's this COVID Whoa. thing. It's just, Whoa. You sound like Peter Brady when it's time to change. Uh, we got to rearrange. My voice has been like hanging on by a thread the last couple of days. Shut up. You know, like I, every time I'm afraid to let it go like that, I'm just worried I'm going to lose it. And boy, did I just ah, lose it there. Wow. The Burns and Gambo Show. 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 You guys don't remember Whoa. the Brady Bunch when Peter Brady lost his uh, his voice and I had to sing. Oh, oh was it Bobby? Uh, was it Bobby or Peter? I don't one recall. Of one of the two. I, Gambo, I, I think it was Peter. Heart. I was never a big Brady Bunch fan. Oh, my God. What a great show. I, great show. I, I was never, it never really, yeah. I mean, I know it was, you know, for our generation, like we all grew up in it. I never Marcia, loved it Marcia, that Marcia, Marcia. Oh, I, know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know all of the stories. I know all of the show characters. Show Namath was on that show. I probably Don watched all of the episodes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of great, I, I, a lot, a lot of stars were on that show. A lot of athletes were on that show. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know, I know. I look. Trust me. I, I grew up on the Brady Bunch. It's just it never was really my thing. Who was the so, lead singer uh, from the Monkees? He was on the show. He took Mount uh, Marsha to the prom or something. Davy Jones. Davy Jones right? was on the show. Davy Jones, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Davy Jones was. Yeah, a lot of stars on. Uh, my show. apologies for my voice cracking like that. Uh, that was that was embarrassing and awful and terrible. But uh, I have been a little under the weather, which is why I'm broadcasting from home this week. And it looks like next week too. So um, I apologize you, for that. Yeah. Do it. Do, do the best we can. Gib, how are you doing, Gambo? You're right back there. I'm good. I'm fine. My voice actually works. It's not a very good, good voice. Good. Not a very good voice. I don't speak very well, but it does work. Yeah, see, so yeah. you have the voice that works and the yeah. words that don't. I have the words that work and the voice that doesn't. That's so mashed up, and yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a show today here on Burns and Gambo. Hell of a show, uh, especially since we've got that mess to talk about from last night. Let's weigh in with our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in, brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. It was a mess, to say the least, for the Phoenix Suns against the Dallas Mavericks. Suns fans get loud. Oh, Free throws up. In and out, no. Rebound tapped up. Aiton lost it. Powell has it on the baseline. He's knocked down to the ground, and a foul is called on DeAndre. And that is unfortunate for the Suns, as it looked like they'd have a chance having the ball down by two. Instead, Dwight Powell hustles for it, gets the loose ball, and gets the foul on D.A. 99-95, they lose to the Dallas Mavericks last night. Campbell. Terrible Where loss. Where you want to start. Terrible loss. Terrible loss. I mean, I, we'll, we'll talk about D.A. in a second. I'm just, I mean, did the the bench didn't show up to me. No. I was fascinated. I think I tweeted this out at halftime. Like, the bench has 39 minutes of action and six points. 
Six points. Luca goes down. He steps on Mikhail's foot. He goes to the locker room. We get word he's not returning to the game. X-rays are negative. Okay. Um, you know, go out there and win the basketball game. You know, you've won four games in a row. But, you know, Jason Kidd always seems to get the better of Monty. The Mavs always seem to get the better of the Suns, you know, since the Suns had that. At one point, the Suns had won a whole lot of games in a row up until last year's playoffs. Now it seems like, the you know, Dallas gets the better of them most times. But just an ugly game. They didn't play very well. They they kind of made a run. Dinwiddie couldn't stop Dinwiddie. He had a great game. You know, fourth quarter, the, the Mavs got up, you know, 95-86 after Dinwiddie hit that bank three-pointer. But the Suns came back. They responded. They got it to one point after the Chris Paul layup. But then again, Bullock gets to the line, misses the free throw. You got to box out. You got to get the rebound. They don't do it. Powell goes around him, grabs the rebound in front of Torrey and DA, hits both free throws when he gets fouled. That's the ball game right there. Yeah, yeah. There are like we've we've been talking about the Suns so much over these last couple of years, right? It seems like you and I always, at least, we frame the conversation as okay. That was one of my favorite wins of the year. That was one of my favorite moments of the year. Oh my gosh, I'll remember that one at the end of the year. At the end of this year, I'm going to remember this one for exactly the opposite. This was one of the worst losses of the season, I think, for the Phoenix Suns. This was one of the moments where you will remember this one, depending on what happens to the season. Luca leaves that game. There's no reason, none, zero, the Suns shouldn't be beating the Dallas Mavericks. Absolutely none. And it was a whole symphony of different things that went on the bench, no doubt, was part of it. I think they had 11 points. I think they made combined five shots, six shots off the bench, the whole bench combined. Imani, he played 13 guys last night, Gambo. He was looking for anything, any combination, any guy who would give him a spark. And there was nobody. There was nobody. Nobody off that bench. Played 11 guys in the first quarter. Just in the first yeah. quarter alone, he played 11 guys. And it was, you know, it was still, you know, Chris Paul had a good first quarter. He knocked down both of his threes. He, he made four shots. He had 10 points, three assists. Um, you know, and everybody will talk about DeAndre. We'll talk about DeAndre, too. You know, the rebounds. He had 20 of them. Oh, my God, he couldn't hit the, he couldn't hit a shot to, to save his life. I mean, he kept, nope. kept short every single time he took a shot. He just kept coming up short. It was a really frustrating night for DeAndre Ayton. And here's Monty after the game talking about the poor energy and the situational awareness that they were lacking. Just situational awareness. And like I told the guys, every possession has to be important to us. I didn't think it was important tonight across the board. I thought our bench came in with very little awareness of the game plan. We made a few subs. I made a few subs. And the energy went focus went and then in that situation it was not um, as important to us as it was to them to get the ball period let's talk about deandre um because if you were just looking at a box score you would look at his line and you'd say oh he had a good night he had 20 rebounds he had 19 points deandre ayton did not have a good night last night and deandre ayton everything that we have come to not like about deandre ayton's game from time to time really reared its ugly head last night and of course it's all going to be focused on that last play not boxing out not getting the rebound playing volleyball with the basketball and then fouling dwight powell and in essence ending the game. I mean, that was the play that he was specifically put in in between the free throws by Reggie Bullock to be in there for rebounding, and he wasn't able to get it. 
But there was another sequence in the second quarter where, you know, Ish Wainwright missed a couple of threes, and DeAndre Ayton is just standing there doing absolutely nothing. I mean, he's just watching, you know, running back and forth on either end of the floor, doing absolutely nothing on either end of the floor. They call a timeout, and you can see Devin Booker, man, straight line from the bench to where DeAndre was standing on the court. Like, dude, we got to talk. You, you got to pick it up. You got to play with some level of engagement and interest and energy and hustle something out here it was that's the part about deandre Ayton that continues to frustrate us all after all these years cambo there's no question and you know i mean it's you hear what Shaq and charles talking about him after the game about you know being a, a good player but do you want to be great and i think that's what we have with deandre Ayton, right he's not a bust he's not you know he's not kwame brown he's like he's he's a good player he's a good player he's not a great player. And the reason, you know, you gave him the max and, you know, a lot of the reasons why we thought was like, man, we saw plenty of games where he was great. We saw plenty of games where he was great. He just didn't do it consistently. He wasn't very consistent, you know, with that. And that's what really held him back quite a, it's held him back quite a bit. His inability to go out there and do it night in and night out has been uh, you know, devastating to him. And I think for the Suns too, look, I told you this, they didn't want to pay a guy $30 million to be their center. They didn't want to pay him $30 million, but they certainly weren't going to lose him for nothing. You know, they, they weren't able to do a deal with DeAndre because they didn't want to give DeAndre a five-year max contract. Pretty simple. They didn't want to give that to him. When Indiana gave him the offer sheet for a max deal, it was like, well, you have to ma- you match it. The benefit is it's $35 million less than your max would have been, and it's one year less, which is a good thing, too. But they certainly, look, they certainly didn't want to have to pay a center like him $30 million a year. No, and it, it, and it does get so frustrating to watch because the, the stretch you're talking about in particular, we all remember it. It was the, it was the, the playoffs in 2021, and it was the run to the finals, and he was bringing it every single night. And you saw what difference it made for the Suns when he was bringing it every single night. Man, I, I watched a game last night, and the words of Chris Paul during those 2021 NBA Finals runs, man, that guy, he just got himself a bag. He's getting himself a bag. Where did that guy go? Oh, man. Uh, where, where did the guy who was impressing Chris Paul so much during that finals run, which it prompted Chris Paul to say he's getting himself a bag, where is that guy? And I get it. He's sick. And I get it. He's coming off an illness. And maybe he's not feeling great. But his the level of intensity and the fluctuation of that level of intensity every single night, it's nauseating sometimes. I mean, it, it really, because you just, you know what this team could be if he would deliver it every single night, and he just doesn't. And I don't know at this point what can be done to inspire him to deliver it every single night. I just don't know anymore, Gambo. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that... You know, that we're at this point. You, you can't wait for it any longer. Like, this is who he is. It's not going to change. This is who he is. So, I mean, after a certain amount of time, you stop waiting for a guy to be something that he's not going to be. I mean, you remember Connor Jackson with the Diamondbacks? Like, everybody kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And you know what? He's never going to be what you think he's going to be. This is who he is. And maybe you're at the point right now with DeAndre Ayton where this is just who he is. He'll have a few great games here and there. He'll be a good player overall. And then when the contract expires, you're certainly not going to give him another max contract. Contract. 
No, and, and you know what? And I'll just add this last thought. If this is who he is, I, I don't know if I want this version of DeAndre Ayton on the basketball team. I, I mean, and we'll talk more about this later, but but it's it's just it's gotten to the point where I almost want off the ride. We're less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57. Bud Light, FanDuel, Arizona Sports wants you to be there in person. Text the word SUPER to 62620. Register. Listen for your name starting February 6th. You can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. You'll also win tickets to the following music events as well. The FanDuel Park. Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl experience. So text the word SUPER to 62620. It's all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Well, if you wanted a high-profile endorsement for Sean Payton as the next head coach of the Cardinals from somebody who's very close to Michael Bidwell, congratulations. You got it. You'll hear from Larry Fitzgerald next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Sean Payton. Update, update, update. We welcome you back to the Burns and Gambo Show on this Friday afternoon. The Cardinals, we, if you if you missed our show yesterday or you were kind of in and out with our show yesterday, um, Gambo and I, I, I think Gambo, I'm speaking for you on this one, we both kind of had a hunch that maybe today would be the day we could hear something from the Cardinals, that we, that we, it, it kind of felt like it was down to two choices, Sean Payton or, or Brian Flores, and that unless they were going to call back a bunch of guys for second interviews, that it doesn't appear as if today is going to be the day now because it's already 2.15 in the afternoon. But I think we thought this thing had kind of narrowed itself down a little bit, right? Yeah, I don't know what else is left to do unless you're going to go get D'Amico Ryans. But as we've talked about for a while now, it looks like he's going to go to the Houston Texans. So I don't know that there's any other interviews lined up. There hasn't been anything mentioned. So now, you know, Dan Quinn is not going to be your head coach. Frank Reich is not going to be your head coach. So, you know, you've got uh, Vance Joseph. You got Azero Evero. You've got Sean Payton. You've got Brian Flores. You got Aaron Glenn. You've, you know, I think if, uh, I think if I'm right, that's five guys. They've got five guys to make a to make a choice out of. I I think by now they know who they're going to hire. Now maybe they want to wait for the cycle to change after the AFC and NFC championship games. Maybe. Um, maybe. But at this point, I can't imagine that you don't know who you're going to hire if you're Monty Austin Ford and Michael Bidwell. By this point, you should know who the next coach of the Cardinals is going to be. Now, I tell you, I don't know how you reacted to this. I, I thought the story took a really interesting turn this morning when Larry Fitzgerald was on our morning show. Because Larry Fitzgerald is obviously, in addition to being the greatest Cardinal ever and one of the most popular, the most popular athlete I think we've got here in Valley history, uh, he's very influential with Michael. I mean, they've got a good relationship. We've Great talked relationship, about this many yep. times. So to hear him on Bickley and Murata today talking about Sean Payton the way he did, I couldn't help but hear this audio. Audio and just wonder. I mean, it's, it's really it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you if you really want to build the foundation for success for for a very long time, I mean, Sean Payton has done that um, for quite a while in, in New Orleans and, and years before then. He's a he is a um, he's a franchise changing aspect, right? Um, and yeah, he's he's going to be expensive. You have to get compensation up to New Orleans Saints, but like if you're trying to change. Um, 
you know, the conversation. You know, he's he's the guy that you know has the ability to do that. Strong words from a very powerful voice, Gambo. Yeah, no question. And like we've said, there there is there is a great relationship between Michael Bidwell and Larry Fitzgerald. They're, they're friends. They're, uh, there was a terrific relationship for a long time between the two. And that's why when Larry was gone and, and Kyle is not Larry, it became very difficult for Michael. Kyler wasn't Larry. but um, So I do think that Larry still has some influence, has some say, even though there's a new GM in place and he's going to want to make that higher. You sit down, you hear what Larry Fitzgerald has to say. And he's endorsing Sean Payton to the point where he says it's an absolute no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Now, I, I don't think it's a no-brainer because the, the compensation involved, you know, that, that, that could be a difference maker or, or if you want to draw a line in the sand and say, like, like if the New Orleans like, I'd have a first-round pick this year's or next, you know, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow for me. Now, maybe for the Cardinals, like, if that's the cost of getting a great coach, then we'll pay that cost and we'll, we just won't have a first-round pick. But we'll see. You know, maybe there's negotiations ongoing um, with, the, with the Saints to try to get, to try to get a deal done without giving up that first. There's also a thought that Sean Payton might be better off going back to Fox, doing the TV gig one more year, and then waiting to see if the Cowboys' job or the Chargers' job, and because maybe there's a better job open next year than what's available right now. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because Jay Glazer, I, I saw a quote today on Twitter from Jay Glazer. He made an appearance on Fox Sports Radio, and he even said, quote, the only fit that would have made sense for Sean is had the Chargers job opened up. And then he goes on to talk about Denver and how great of a job it is and the ownership and the organization. But even Jay Glazer kind of questioned whether Russell Wilson is salvageable or not. And he, and he went so far as to say, look, I'm not saying he's not salvageable, just that maybe Sean looks at himself and says, I'm not the guy to save him, or, or he's too far gone for me to save him, which is shocking considering we're talking about Russell Wilson, but he did have an awfully bad year last year. Here's more Larry Fitzgerald with Bickley and Murata. One more cut on him about Sean Payton. Look what he did for Drew Brees, you know, when he came to New Orleans, turned, turned him into, I mean, Drew Brees turned himself into a Hall of Famer, but under the tutelage of uh, uh, Sean Payton, right, um, in terms of him drafting, you know, great, talented players, not only drafting them, but developing them, right? You, know, you hear a lot of people talk about Sean Payton, his ability to develop talent. You know, guys that you haven't heard of you know, smaller schools, being able to develop those, develop coaches. Um, you know, so he, he checks a lot of boxes, you know, when, when you're talking about somebody who can change the fortunes of an organization. Yeah, I, I just, you said something that kind of sparked my interest a minute ago. Here goes Michael. He goes outside the organization for the first time since Buddy Ryan back in 94 to get a general manager in Monty Austin Fort. So he's obviously going to want to enable and empower Monty Austin Fort to, to kind of build this thing in his vision because Michael took the this leap by going outside the organization. But when you have somebody as influential as Fitz, somebody as close to you as Fitz, as, as Larry is to Michael, that can't help but to sway you, right? Like, like no matter what Monty Austin Fort might want to do, you can't help but not hear those words from Fitz if you're Michael and think about what you should do about this decision, about whether you should bring Sean Payton. And I, I got to imagine it's it's hard to tune that out if you're Michael. Well, one thing is pretty obvious. Michael didn't hire Monty Austin Fort and then went back to doing whatever he's going to do and let Monty Monty run everything and, you know, inform Michael of his decisions. That That's not happening. I mean, Michael meeting with Sean Payton, you know, uh, you know, spending the time with them like that. You know, he is very, very involved in this decision. That is obvious that he is very involved in this decision. Some people may have thought after he hired Monty Austin Ford, OK, you made your hire. Let your GM pick your coach.
coach and let your GM pick the team and do all of that stuff. And, you know, he'll come to you and he'll say, hey, listen, I just need approval. This is the guy I want to hire. And then maybe you go meet with the guy after that. But no, Michael's right in the midst of, of meeting with Sean Payton. Now, with Sean Payton, maybe it is a little bit different because you're trying to wow him. You're trying to impress him. You're trying to court him as much as he's courting you, right? You're trying to make him believe that this is the right. And maybe Michael's, I'm going to get involved here because I know this organization better than Monty Ossinfort does. A lot better than Monty. I'm going to explain what my vision is. Sean's going to want to hear from the owner, too, not just the GM. So it could be something where, you know, Michael's involved for that reason because he has a better understanding of the organization and can better answer the questions that Sean Payton has than it is like, okay, he's just meddling and he's going to be involved in every interview. It could be because that's what's necessary in a meeting with a guy like Sean Payton. All right, so just to recap this now, there are four openings remaining in the NFL. Frank Reich has gone to Carolina. You mentioned that a moment ago. The the four that are left are the Texans, the Colts, the Cardinals, and the Broncos. There was a report from Ian Rappaport this morning on Twitter that D'Amico Ryans has emerged as a top candidate for the Texans job. He's expected to meet with Houston at some point next week after the Niners game against the Eagles. There is mutual interest, and if all goes well, he could be their next head coach. Now, in response to that, I read a bunch of tweets out of Denver today from credible people in Denver who were saying, okay, hold on, not so fast. You know, D'Amico Ryans is really high on their list, too, and this might come down to the Texans and the Broncos for him, so we'll see. So I'm not sure what's going to happen, but it seems like D'Amico's going to get one of those jobs, and it doesn't seem like he's coming to the Cardinals, because I don't know why he no. would at this point if he's no. got two teams who are battling for him. So... Again, we kind of circle back to this idea, you know, are you in on Peyton? How far in are you on Peyton if you're the Cardinals? Is Brian Flores your backup? Do you circle back to second interviews with Aaron Glenn or is Giro Aviro? And to my knowledge, I don't even know if they've had a second interview with Brian Flores. I just know they've met him in person. Do you have a second interview with him too? Or is the Peyton pursuit the main thing right now for the Cardinals. It's hard to know, but you're starting to see other dominoes around the Cardinals fall right now. You're what starting did, what did we hear? There was about a seven-hour meeting, eight-hour meeting with Sean Payton? Give or take, yes. I mean, there's nothing yeah. left. There's no second interview necessary after this. No. No, you know what he brings Sean. to the table? You you try to win him over. If he's trying to win you over, now you make a decision. Now, you know, again, maybe they want to sleep on it. Maybe, you know, Sean said, I, I owe it. To, I've got to have one more conversation. I'm not, I want to talk, talk things over with my family. You just never know where it goes from there. But I would honestly believe at this point right now, on Friday afternoon at this time, that the Arizona Cardinals know which direction they're going to go in. They just haven't told us yet. But text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back. Take care. See y'all at Burrowhead. Take care at Burrowhead. Things are getting spicy ahead of the AFC Championship game. Talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Eric is back here with us. He's got our Twitter poll question of the day. Ruby, what's cooking today on this football Friday? We are getting ever closer to the big game here in State Farm Stadium, but we have to get through the championship games first, AFC and NFC. I need your guys' two teams that are making it to the Super Bowl. Gambo? You know what? I'm going Kansas City. Whoa. whoa. I'm going whoa. Kansas City. You were Bengals up until about an I ago, was. Right? I'm not. And everybody's going Bengals. The Chiefs are going to win this football game. 
The Chiefs okay. are going to win this football game. This okay. whole, you know, but what what do they call the stadium? Burrow, Burrowhead. Uh, we'll, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Kansas City versus Philadelphia. Okay. AC Philly, Burnsy. Uh, all right. Well, you know what? I, inspired by Gambo. Uh, I am also going to change my pick from what I've been leaning all week. No way. Um, I am. I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to go with Philadelphia over San Francisco, mm. but I'm still going with I'm still going with the Bengals over the okay. Chiefs. All right. I, I just I just like I, I was going to be stubborn and say you know what I've been saying 49ers all week long. I'm going to stick with the 49ers. The more I think about it, and the more I kind of just okay this and that and add up all the I. I just don't think it's happening for San Francisco it's not. on Sunday. So, I don't think San Francisco is going to win. So since you since you changed your pick, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't going to change mine. I was I was going to go with San Francisco and the Bengals, which is what I've been saying all week. But since you changed one of yours at the last minute, I'm going to change one of mine at the last minute. I think Philadelphia is one of this football game against. I'm so going Andy Reid, baby. Andy Reid's going to get it done. The Chiefs are going put, back to the Super Bowl. You know, put Gambo, me down for the ink, the Eagles and the Bengals, please. Gambo, you're right. A lot of people are going Bengals, Bengals, yes. Bengals. The two yep. leading options include them right now, but leading the way, 36.8% thinks it'll be Bengals 49ers in the Super Bowl at a close 34.8% in second place. It's Bengals, Eagles, stark drop off here. 16% say Chiefs, Eagles, 12% say Chiefs, 49ers. Only 28% of people think the Chiefs are going to make it to the Super Bowl. I'll tell you this right now. If the Bengals win this football game, I'm just going to pick them every game for the next five years. I won't bet against them ever. Okay, just mark it down. From now for the next five years, I am just going to go with the Bengals. Duly noted. Mm-hmm. Duly noted. Um, all right, that's the poll question on this um, second to the last football Friday of the year. Right, we got three football games left, gentlemen. How, how do we feel about that? Three football games total for the rest of the season. And then we're done. Football's over. Well, in honor of your late dad. Yes, it was. This was always the saddest time of the year for him. It, it, it was my Your late father, father got mm. got very upset when the Super Bowl was over. So much yeah. so that he would rewatch reruns of the Red Zone Channel every Sunday. Yeah, he like they would replay. Did every he not single have Netflix? Week. Oh, he did. He, he was did. He just did he not football. like John Wayne reruns? I mean, come he on. Just, he loved. He like just loved his football. Absolutely <sighs> loved his football. Let's focus on this AFC matchup. This is Chris Jones, Kansas City Chiefs defensive lineman, and that the question is included in this and, and all of this Burrowhead talk instead of Arrowhead Stadium, Burrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs are taking notice of what the Bengals are saying about their stadium and how cocky the Bengals are being about all of this. Here is Chris Jones. What do you do now? You've you got all the practice in. you got a, almost two days to wait for this. What's tomorrow look like for you? Rest, uh, watch a little more film, uh, see what else I can pick up, and uh, eliminate all distractions. Take care. See y'all at Burrowhead Stadium. Take uh-huh. care. See y'all at Burrowhead Stadium. Oh man, <laughs> you! If you're the Bengals, you're like, all right, you got their attention. You, I, I hope you haven't poked the bear right, too much. Right. You definitely got their attention. But you know the one interesting thing about this: all of the games have been three points. Like they've all been three point games. Like they're not beating yes. them really bad. They've been close games. Eventually, that's going to change. Now, Cincinnati still doesn't have their starting left tackle and their right guard. And Cincinnati's really good if they could get the lead on you. They're ten and zero when they have the lead at halftime. And they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. 
tremendous win last week. But man, I just there's, there's something in the last 24, 48 hours with all of this stuff that's Borrowhead Stadium and everything. Kansas City's going to show up. They're going to play. Uh, I, Travis Kelsey, I was a little worried about him. He was on the injury report, believe it or not, with a back injury yesterday, but he was a full participant in practice today. So I feel a little bit better about picking Kansas City now. Yeah, here's uh, as far as the, the back and forth smack talking goes, this is um, Willie Gay. He's the Chiefs linebacker, and he was asked what it is that impresses him about the Bengals. His short response was. Absolutely nothing impresses me about the Bengals. What is it about that Bengals offense that maybe impresses you the most? You played them a few times? Nothing. 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 Yeah, it's going to be bad. Look, I hear what you're saying, and it's it's really – this is the first time Patrick Mahomes has ever been an underdog in his entire playoff career. This is the first time the Chiefs have been an underdog since Patrick Mahomes has been their quarterback. It's it's hard to pick against Kansas City. I'm doing it for two reasons. Number one, the Mahomes ankle I I do think will be problematic. I I hear all the reports coming out of the practice, and and I get that it's all very positive so far. And number two, I just think the Bengals are more complete than Kansas City. I think their defense is better than Kansas City's defense is. So I think they have a better chance of playing a more complete game on Sunday than Kansas City does. I, yeah. I, I think, and that's and and that that to me is the lean. I mean, it, it's and, and I get where you're going, and I, and I understand you're kind of you're kind of zigging while everybody else is zagging, and I and I totally get that. I just think the Bengals are too balance or the more balanced football team and that will ultimately win out on Sunday. Yeah, listen, Cincinnati is really good at creating takeaways and, you know, Kansas City they turned the ball over 23 times this year. Cincinnati created 24 takeaways. I mean, that's what Cincinnati's good at. They take care of the ball on offense and then they attack you and they force you to turn the ball over on defense. They've been really good at at that so that's, you know, that's a big play in this game. You've got to take care of the football. But again, I I just think these two teams are close. There's not, you know, you said it the other day, all four of these teams, man, you go look at the Super Bowl odds, they're very, very similar. Yes. I mean, eventually Kansas City's going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Eventually they're going to beat them. I mean, this is five straight AFC Championship home games for them, and they've got a bunch of guys that have that have been there and done it. I'm sure they're tired of hearing about Cincinnati having their number. And and I, I love Burrow. Like I said, I mean, he, he's the coolest cat in town. He's Joe Namath cool. Um, and I'll root for Cincinnati. I mean, why not? I mean, I still think that in, in some ways, even with the dominance over Kansas City, they have like an underdog mentality, believe it or not. It, all, it almost is like they're the underdog and they shouldn't be here, but they just keep beating everybody. So I would like to see Cincinnati win, but I'm going to go with Kansas City. It's interesting that you would be rooting for Cincinnati to win, even though you're picking Kansas City to win. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't look, care about right. Right. I, I I could do that. I could have a team I think is going to win and root for the other team. Okay, all right. That, yeah. That's a good clarification. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a great weekend. Um, I, I last weekend was a little disappointing. Not all the games are great. I think you're right about one. Then we'll preview the NFC game a little bit later in the show. I think. Both of these games, there is not an outcome this weekend of, of the potential Super Bowl matchups. There is not an outcome that I would say, man, I didn't see that coming. There is not one single combination of these four teams where I would say I never would have envisioned that happening. 
Not one. They're that close. I, I think the 49ers are that close to the Eagles. I think the Bengals are that close to the Chiefs. And there's not one where I'd go, oh, man, no way. Didn't see that coming. So should be a good weekend of football. We're less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57. Of course, we're hosting the winners of the two games on Sunday here in Arizona. Looking forward to that. Bud Light, FanDuel, Arizona Sports. We all want you to be there at the Super Bowl in person. And you can by texting the word SUPER to 620-620. Register. Listen for your names starting. February 6th, and you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll also win tickets to the FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, the Super Bowl Experience. So again, text the word SUPER to 620-620. It is all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. If you stayed up late to the very end, and they did, and so did Gambo, we're sorry if your heart is a little bit broken today because of it. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Does Cambridge hoist up a shot at the buzzer? It does not go. And Washington wins it in overtime 69 66. Tim Healy with the call last night on. You watched that game, huh? I did. Me you know what? Too. And, and Me I, too. I I'll tell you right now, you. I was yeah, I, I was flipping back and forth towards the end with the Suns game, and then exclusively stayed with ASU game when the Suns game was over. And, and it's, it's a shame they lost that game. Oh, it is because Austin Nunez. I'm telling you right now, that freshman's good for a freshman, right? And he got iced, right? So yeah, he gets. The first you don't know what we're talking iced. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he. They're they're, they're down three. ASU's down three. Austin Nunez, the freshman guard, gets fouled taking a three pointer from the corner, and he's a freshman, and and he you know very calmly. Drains the first one, nothing but net. Drains the second one, nothing but net. Now he's so he's got to hit three free throws to tie the game and send it to overtime. He's hit the first two. The coach from Washington calls a timeout to ice him, and I'm thinking, oh no, here it goes, here it goes. Because I remember even thinking when he got fouled, oh he's a freshman, he'll never make all three. It, it's it's going to yeah. get in his head. There's no way he's going to make all three. I don't think that ball touched any square inch of the rim on any three of the free throws no, he, he shot. Was, he was so pure net every time, He right? was calm, cool, collective. And then in overtime, he hit a huge three. I mean, they were down 61-54. They just came out in overtime. They had the missed dunk on the inbounds play from Collins on the lob. And then Washington scored on the other end. And Cambridge came up short on a shot. And then Brooks for Washington buried a corner three wide open. Uh, and then, you know, Warren Washington for ASU at the free throw line misses both. Like, he missed both free throws. But then Nunez hits the three. They're kind of, kind of thinking they're in it a little bit, uh, but then Nunez had a shot blocked on the, he had a fast break, and he had the shot blocked, he was a little bit out of control and then it just kind of, you know, they, they kind of hung around, like they even, it, with 16 seconds left, it's 66-54 Washington goes to the line, a kid Fuller hits both and then, you know, Collins hits a free throw and they, they kind of played that game, but even if they had two shots at a three at the end to force a second overtime and I think Collins and Cambridge missed them. But here's the problem now. Let me tell you what the problem is with ASU. Their last three games. Yes. Their last three games are against UCLA, USC, and Arizona all on the road. So that's I, a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. And you, UCLA is really, really good. Arizona is really, really good. USC is beatable. Um, they've lost both to UCLA. You played him yesterday. I, 
but that's a tough, like, if you go into those last three games and you don't have, you know, 20, 21 wins, you're kind of, you're kind of in some trouble. They're 15 and 6 right now. They, they need to win this game against Washington State. Desperately need to win that game. But if they go into the last three against UCLA, USC, and Arizona needing a couple of wins, they're, they're in some trouble because that's, that's, gonna be, that's a lot to ask to win those games on the road. And then, depending on what happens in those games, it just it just amps up the pressure on them in the Pac-12 tournament. How far do they have to go? How many wins do they have to get? How deep into the tournament do they have to play in order to try to get themselves into the tournament? Because yeah, that that's th- to close with those three games and all three of those games on the road. It is it's a it's a tough way to finish. Now, I just looked while you were talking, and I meant to check this earlier. So Joe Lenardi from ESPN.com did he update it? Today? He updated it today. He updated his bracketology today. I'm going to say updated he's on- got him out. Okay. January 27th, it was updated at 7 a.m. this morning. Okay. He has ASU as one of the last four teams in the tournament. Wow. He still has them in. He still has them in after the loss to Washington. Okay. Uh-huh. Washington's not, Washington's not very good. Um. Five and six in the conference, thirteen and nine overall. It may come down to the Pac-12 tournament, and they're very capable. ASU is of winning some games in there if they get the right matchup. Um, they just got to make more shots. Um, I don't know. I, I I think they got like the, the losing both of those games at home was tough, and then losing this one. So you don't want to pile up these losses. They got to get to twenty twenty one wins. You got to try to steal one against USC, UCLA, and Arizona, and then you may have to win a game in the Pac twelve tournament. I mean, that's how it, it may come down to that. Yeah, because if if you've uh, we've talked about this off and on for the last couple of weeks, part of the problem with ASU's overall resume is their their non conference schedule just stinks. I mean, it's and usually that's a real departure for Bobby Hurley's crew. Usually they schedule really, really, really tough in the non conference and and kind of pay for it. To be honest with you, with, with the wins and the losses not being all that glowing this year, their non conference schedule could really be used against them. So they have to make sure there's a certain win total and a conference win total and things like that and you can't and you said something a second ago I don't think you're wrong I I think it makes this weekend's game against Washington State virtually a must win game for them to not avoid falling into that now you've got some work to do to get back in because there just aren't going to be that many chances left for them to impress the committee unless they beat UCLA in Westwood unless they beat U of A down in Tucson, and I, I just don't know if this team's yep. equipped to do that. So that they really have to win a game like this weekend against Washington State, so they don't they have, have to put themselves in that spot. It, does, it doesn't help them now. When they got that win over over Michigan, when they beat Michigan early in the season, um, you know, in Brooklyn, that was a good win for them. The problem is Michigan's no good. You know, Michigan's they got they got nine losses. They lost to Virginia. They lost to Kentucky. After that, they lost to North Carolina. They lost to Central Michigan. They lost to Michigan State. They lost to Iowa. They lost to Maryland. They lost to Purdue. Purdue's a really good number one team in the country with that seven foot four guy. But like they're not winning any games. You know, they're just not winning any games. So the Michigan win, while it looked really good early in the season, it's not that good of a win because Michigan's not very good. Yeah. Yeah, and for what it's worth too, um, because USC beat UCLA last night, um, Lenardi actually 
put USC in. They just jumped right over ASU. USC was, the last time I looked at this, they were in the first four out. Now they're in the last right, four bottoms. Right, yeah, because I, so I watched. Just went right over them. I, yep. The first time they played each other, I watched that whole game, and UCLA, USC almost beat UCLA. They almost beat them. But that was a big upset last night um, for the, for USC to win that game, to come back and win it. Boogie Ellis was, was incredible. That game was on like national TV, so I was watching some of that. So I was really surprised that uh, that USC was able to get that win. That was a big win for them. So they're seven and three in the conference now, and they were down like they were down by twelve points in that game. They came back on a big, big run in the second half and were able to upset UCLA. And that's why Arizona, with Arizona's win now, they're only a game out of the Pac-12 lead after Arizona took care of business. Kirk Creason was really good last night. Tabellus was great again, and so Arizona seven and three in the conference, eighteen and three overall after their win last night. All right, so that's uh, what's going on with ASU. Yeah, when good game. I, I, I enjoyed watching that. I, I, I enjoyed watching the ASU game. I was really hoping they were going to win that one. I was really impressed by the kid. I really was because I, I, I'm telling you, I was I was sitting there. Now, now, granted, I was kind of in bed watching it, but I was I was thinking, there's just no way. There's just no way a freshman with the game on the line like that is going to hit all three. Um, again, not one square inch of rim was touched by any of those shots. It was all net, all net, all net. I was very impressed. It was too bad it didn't happen for him. When we come back, two things happened last night. One really good and one quite bad. And something happened today that you're going to want to know about as well when it comes to your Phoenix Suns. We'll tell you what it is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.